again in a resurrection, declaration of resurrection. We said that the resurrection declares Jesus Christ, the Son of God, with power. Declares Jesus, the firstborn among many brethren. It declares Jesus has become the first fruits. Does everybody have a message guide? Uh, the live groups will meet this Friday, and so these are going to be your questions that we'll discuss. Or maybe you say, I don't belong to a live group. We're going to have a new semester starting in June. Uh, this semester will end in May. But, you know, maybe just you at home. Maybe you sit down by yourself and you go through these scriptures. Or you sit down with your family, or you sit down with a friend. Uh, the point is, don't let this hour and a half on Sunday morning be the only time that you're in the Word, that you're allowing God to speak to you and do a work as you join in. God's working in you all the time. But how many of you know it helps when we're in the Scripture we're letting Him speak to us through the Word and we're purposing with our heart and with our mind to grow in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so these are just tools, very simply, to help you do that. But I can't walk with you and hold your hand and make you do it. You've got to desire it and you've got to apply it. Amen? <laughs> so use the tools that we give to you and uh, let the Holy Spirit... Just do his work. Amen? So here's the scripture in 1 Corinthians 15, 20. It says, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. That was by the man Christ Jesus. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. So in Adam all die, in Christ all shall be made alive. Now, this is such an important truth for us to catch. That we're born into Adam when we're born through the flesh. Who here was never born into Adam? If, you're, if you weren't born into Adam, raise your hand. Is there anybody? We're all human beings here. That's, that's good. There are no aliens present with us. Okay. So we're all human, so that which is born through the flesh is born in Adam, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, Jesus said, and that which is born of the flesh is dead. Why? Because in Adam all men die. Okay, so we are born into Christ when? When we are born again, that's why Jesus said, you must be born again. We're born into Christ when we're born again, how? By the Spirit. You don't get born again by your own power. It's not what you do. It's what the Spirit does. You're born again by the Spirit. How? Through faith. So Jesus said that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit and it is life. Jesus said the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Scripture says the letter of the law kills, but the Spirit does what? Brings life. And so when you're born of the Spirit, you are spirit and you are in life. You are life. And so your nature has changed. So when we're born again of the Spirit into Christ, we become sons of God. How? By the power of His resurrection. If Jesus would have only died on the cross but not risen from that tomb, there would be no power for us to become children of God. There would be no power for us to go from death to life. We could not 
be born again by the Spirit if Jesus is only crucified, but he is not risen. And that's why Paul says, if Christ is not risen, we don't have any hope. And if, if, if we only have hope in Christ in this life, he said, then we're, we're in pitiful shape. But hallelujah, the good news, the gospel is, Jesus not only was crucified, but he is risen. You notice he was crucified, but he is risen. He's not, he was not risen at one time, but he's not anymore. He is, present tense. The resurrection is a present, eternal reality for every believer. Amen? So the declaration of resurrection is the declaration of the sons of God. Of a changed nature. What happened when you were born again? What changed? Nature changed. Did your mind automatically change? No. That's why Paul says, brothers, I beg you by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is holy and acceptable unto God. It is your reasonable act of worship. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. But how is it possible now for your mind to be renewed? Well, it's possible now because the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. And it is the Spirit of God that will give you the power to renew your mind. It is the Spirit of God that will give you the power to manifest the fruit of the Spirit. To manifest the life of Christ Jesus that is in you. That is by the power that the Spirit gives us, the Spirit that lives in us. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that dwells in us, will strengthen our mortal bodies. How? Because it will give us the power to renew our mind. As a man thinks in his heart, the Scripture says what? So is he. What does that tell you? Wherever your mind is, that's where you're going to be. If your mind's in the gutter, <laughs> you're going to be in the gutter. If your mind's on earthly things, you're going to be a real earthly person. Paul says, don't put your mind, don't set your mind on earthly things, set your mind on things above where Christ is. Because if we set our mind on things above, what happens? Our life will reflect that reality of Christ in us, the hope of glory. So the resurrection declares the sonship of every believer. And to these he gave the right to become children of God. To who? Even to those who believe and will receive him, John 1.12 says. So sonship is the declaration of what? It's the declaration of his life and his light that is in me. Sonship is the declaration of his resurrection life. Where is his resurrection life? It's in me. And God has put it in me by his spirit through faith in him. Why? Because he wants that life and that light to be manifest through us. So that the world will see. That the world will know Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the risen Savior. Sonship is a testimony continuously manifested. That's real important. Sonship is a testimony that is continuously manifested. Just as resurrection life is continuously manifested. I mean, you were born... Right? Let's think naturally for a moment. You were born as a baby. And when you were born, you were alive. How do we know you're still alive? Because you're still living, right? Living, you're growing. We say, oh, you're alive. 
Life is continuously manifest in you and through you, isn't it? I just think of physical life. Physical life is continuously manifest. I mean, we grow, we, I'm moving around, I'm animated, I'm breathing, I'm talking. You would say, he's alive. Well, yeah, I'm alive physically. But, but see, there's a life that's greater than physical life. It's spiritual life. And just as physical life is something that is continuously manifested in our lives, through our lives, listen, spiritual life, our life, resurrection life, is something that must be, is meant to be continuously manifested through us. That's Christ in you. Christ is in you and he wants to be seen through you. He wants to be known through you. And God has chosen to make himself known how? Through you, his vessels in the earth, his containers, the carriers of his presence. So sonship is appropriated and sonship is entered into how? By faith. By faith as an act. There came a point in time in my life where I had to surrender to the Lord Jesus, and through an act of faith, I was born again. But that wasn't an end, that was simply a beginning. That act of faith was a beginning. And so because we believe, we have sonship in Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.26 says, you are all sons of God. How? Through faith in Jesus Christ. So who are sons of God? Those who have come into faith in Jesus Christ. So sonship. Sonship is an accepted act, but it has to be born out. How? In a continuous process. Life is a process. Your sanctification is a process. You are justified in Christ Jesus. I mean, because of what Jesus did on the cross, it's just if I had never sinned, I'm justified by what Jesus has done. But my sanctification, I am continuously, I, yes, I am set apart for God. But, but there is a process. As I go through life, I have to decide every day whether I will be set apart for his purpose. Do you know that I could have gotten up this morning and I could have chosen not to come here I could have said you know I don't feel like going and preaching at Christ Fellowship today I think I'm going to go to the movie instead I think I'm going to go to the movie go have lunch and then yeah, I hadn't been to the lake in a long time I think I'll go to the lake I could have done that couldn't I have I sure could have God would not have arrested me and made me he wouldn't have robbed me of my will I could have done that but I chose to be set apart for his purpose. I, I, I didn't want to go to the movie or go to the lake today. I really did want to come here. But my point is, I could have chosen to not. To be set apart and to be used by God is, is something that we must. We, we have to choose every day. Whether I'm going to set myself apart for him or whether I'm going to set myself apart for the world. Am I going to set myself apart for him and his life and his purpose? Or am I going to set myself apart for sin? See, I'm not, I'm not a sinner anymore. I've been delivered from sin. My sins are forgiven. But I can live a sinful life if I, if I choose to. But why would I do that if that's not my nature anymore? If I'm not a sinner, if sin and death is not my nature, why would I want to live that life? 
Why? Why would I want to do that? And that's exactly what Paul says. Why are you guys behaving like mere men? You are not men anymore. Now I asked you a while ago, who here was not born of Adam? And you, no one raised their hand, which means you're all human beings. You're all of the human race. You're all of mankind, right? But now I could ask another question. I could say, who here knows that they know that they know that they have been born again by the Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ? And you can raise your hand, and you know what the reality is? For those who raise their hand and say, I have been born again by the Spirit of God through faith in Jesus Christ, do you know what? I'm not of the human race anymore. Now, I, I, I live in a human body. But see, my nature has changed. I'm not, I'm not a human being anymore. I, I don't have a human nature. My, the essence of my nature, I have become a partaker of what? The divine nature. That's what Peter says. Through these promises, he has allowed us to become. He has made it possible for us to become partakers of the divine nature. That doesn't mean I'm God. I'm not God. And neither are you. And I don't care what some theologians will say. You're not a little God. You're not a little Jesus, no, but you do have the nature of God. You have become a partaker of his nature. Why? What is that? What is the significance of that? The significance is I, I don't belong to Adam anymore. Why? What's important about that? Because everybody in Adam is dead. And so if I don't belong to Adam anymore and my nature has been changed and I now have the nature of Jesus Christ, you know what? I'm not dead anymore. I am alive. And if you are born again, you also are alive today. Not because you worked real hard or prayed real hard, but because you through faith have come to life who is Jesus Christ. And when you receive that life, God transported you. Beam me up, Scotty. That's exactly what that word means. We've been transported, translated from, from darkness into light, from death into life. Faith in Jesus Christ. So, sonship is a continuous process. God didn't mean for our salvation or the resurrection just to be an event in history that we look back to. But he did that so that we could enter into life. And this life is a continuing process and a continuing experience that, that we participate in every day. Yes, in faith we hold on to that origin of becoming children of God. But along with that origin of our faith, of our sonship, there is the ongoing experience being freshly demonstrated. That's an interesting word, freshly. Why? Because remember the children of Israel out in the desert? God rained down manna. And he said, go out every morning and you can get fresh manna. Could they have stayed in their tent and not gone every morning and gotten fresh manna? Sure they could have. They could have slept late. They could have sat there and watched the Today Show and decided that they didn't feel like going out and getting fresh manna. They could have done that. But God says, hey, I have poured out fresh manna, and if you'll go get it, it's yours. But don't try to, you know, honey, I think tomorrow I want to sleep in. Would you and the kids go out and get the manna and go ahead and get enough? 
for, for Tuesday and Wednesday so that we don't have to get up and go get our manna on Wednesday. We'll just, we'll just eat the leftovers. God says, no, don't try that because there are no leftovers. Because what I have for you is not a leftover. It's fresh every day. Our life in Christ, the resurrection life and the resurrection power that we live in, it's freshly demonstrated every day. It should be freshly manifested every day through our life. That's why I call it here a continuing process. And it's by the same power that gave us that resurrection. It's the same power that that enables us to freshly demonstrate it and manifest it. So, in other words, here's another way of saying this. It is the power of His resurrection working in us that causes the origin and the ongoing experience of sonship to be freshly demonstrated and continuously manifested in us. What is it? It is the power of His resurrection. It is the power of His resurrection that picks you up, that lifts you up, that keeps you up, that keeps you out of the miry pit of sin and death. It brought you out and it will keep you out. It brought you out and you couldn't get yourself out. You couldn't climb out. You couldn't build a ladder out. There was nothing you could do to get out of sin and death. It was the power of His resurrection. It was the power of the Spirit. It was the power of Jesus Christ that brought you out originally and set your feet on higher ground and put you on the solid rock. And it is the same power that brought you out that will keep you out. It is. And even when you feel like getting down, and even when you are down, I'm telling you what, it is the continuous process of resurrection that works in you, that does something even beyond your knowledge and beyond your understanding, that motivates you, that gets you up even when you don't realize it. I'm telling you what, God is working in you, whether you know it or not, He is working. And when you even will to not participate in that work, when you will to go the opposite direction of God, I'm telling you what, God is not content to just let you go. He loves you too much. He will allow the circumstances of your life to work in such a way where He will continuously bring you back to a place where you have to make that decision. And by the grace of God, I came to a point in my life, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me. I came to a point in my life where God finally brought me to a place where I made the decision for Him instead of walking away again. And He loved me enough to do that. And I'm telling you, He loves you enough. For many of you, He has done that. You have, you have entered into that faith through an act, you've entered into that by an act of your will through faith. But I'm telling you what, the same power that brought you to that origin of life is the same power that will keep you. Power of the resurrection. Sonship in the life of the believer is the power of resurrection. It is the power of a transformed life. See, that, that's why God whole point is transformation. The point is transformation. What God wants is transformation. 
God, can I say this? God doesn't care how big our crowds are, how big our churches are. God doesn't care how good our music is. God doesn't care how beautiful our buildings are. God doesn't care how elegant our speech is or how unelegant our speech is. The only thing God desires is transformation in the hearts and the lives of His people. And transformation doesn't come by all those things. Transformation comes by the power of His Spirit. Can those things help? I guess they can if they, you know, get us in a place physically and emotionally where we feel like we can receive better. But I'm telling you what, those things absolutely have nothing to do with transformation. Only by by the power of resurrection that comes from God. That power is not a one-time thing. It is a continuous process that God works in us and through us by His Spirit. The confirmation of sonship is in the power of resurrection. God confirmed His sonship through the power of resurrection. He declared Jesus to be the Son of God. How? By the power of resurrection, Paul said. And he declares you to be sons and daughters of God. How? By the same power. By the power of resurrection. And that God gives us continual experiences of being raised from the dead. Or can I say from the death that is around us. You're not living and dying and living and dying. But, but here's what I want you to, to, to catch and to understand. And this is why the Apostle Paul said in Colossians, Hey, get your eyes off this stuff around here. This stuff is death dead. It's corruption. It's passing away. It's not going to last. Get your eyes off these earthly things and get them onto Christ. He didn't say live in denial. He didn't say don't care about anything on this earth. No, care about the things God cares about. And what God primarily cares about is for you to be a witness for him. For you to let his life and his light shine through you so that you can affect the darkness around you, so that you can dispel the darkness that is around you. So for now, listen church, for now God has left us in a setting and a background of death here in this world. Do you realize that this world system, this world order, the things of this world, they are rooted and grounded in death? I mean, in the beginning when Adam ate of that fruit, when he fell in the garden, all creation fell with him. It's what, it's what the scripture says. We'll look at the scripture in just a moment. And so now, we are born again. Jesus said, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. You're in the world, but, but you don't have the nature of the world anymore. You don't have the nature of death anymore. You're, you're in life now. You're of life now. You're living in a setting of death, but you're not of death. You're of life. So this world is a tomb which will sooner or later engulf all of those who are outside of Christ. Do you believe that? I mean, sooner or later, if we do not come to faith in Christ, if man does not come to faith in Christ, this tomb called the world that we live in, it will engulf us. This system, this, this, this realm of death will eventually swallow us up and there will be no hope for us to come to life. There is hope in Christ. There is hope. Jesus said those that come to life, second death has no power over them. What's the second death in the book of Revelation? 
It's that final death where we are eternally separated from God. And there is no way for us to come back to Him. But Jesus Christ has made a way where there was no way. And right now, Jesus Christ, have, He has awakened. He has awakened you. He is calling to you. He has put a measure of faith in you. Into all men. And He's saying to all men, come to Christ. And how is He saying it? He's saying it through you and through me. You are His mouth. You are His hands. You are His feet. It's the gospel call that must come from you to this world that's caught in death and caught in darkness. And so here, look at this. We are living in this tomb. Take that phrase right there. Here we are living in this tomb. If I said to you, here we are living in this tomb, you would think, what is, if I said, what does that mean? You say, well, it means we're living in this tomb. But I want you to read it a different way. Here, here we are living. We are living. It's not living in the sense of defining our existence. It's living in the sense of defining our nature. We're in a tomb. We're in a realm of death. But within this realm of death, guess what? We're not dead. We are living. We're alive. Jesus was put into a tomb. But guess what? He's alive. He was put in a realm of death. He was put in an atmosphere, in an environment that was meant for dead people and dead things. But the reality was, he is living. He's alive. And you are living. You're not dead. You are living. You're in a realm of death, but you are living this scene, this realm of death that we call the world. Here we are not of the world, but we are living in the world. We're not just living. In the sense of a verb defining what I'm doing. We are living. You know what an adjective does? An adjective describes what something is. A verb describes what something does. Yes, we are living. We're alive. There's action there. But we're also living. It describes who we are. It describes our nature. Here, we are living. God doesn't look at us as dead anymore. He looks at us as living. God doesn't have relationship with dead things. He has relationship with living things. And though we live in a realm of death, God looks down and he sees us and we are living. He says, I have relationship with those people right there. They're living in the midst of death, but they're not dead. They're living. They're in the world, but they're not of the world. They're of me. They're of my son, Jesus Christ. And because they are of my son, they are living. They're living. Living doesn't describe our action. It describes our nature. We are alive as opposed to being dead. In Christ, we are alive, church. You know what? The church needs to act like it's alive. We act like we're dead. We, we get caught up in the same thing the world does. We look at the world and we... Oh my God, did you hear what the president did today? Did you see what the Congress did today? Did you hear what the United Nations did today? Oh my God, the one world government's coming and the Antichrist is coming. What are we going to do? What are you going to do? It's prophesied. It's going to happen. You shouldn't be sad. You ought to be glad because it means this book is true and the plan of God is coming to pass. We're not dead. We're alive, church. We're alive, and we need to start living like we are alive. 
We need to start believing like we are alive. God's not, God's not friends with a bunch of dead people. He brought you into life through faith in Jesus Christ. We need to come out of death. Just because we live in death doesn't mean we're of death. If you're in Christ, you're not of the death anymore. You are alive. You're living. We're not of it, but we're alive and we're living in it. And that's the testimony of sonship. That is the power of resurrection. We live in a realm of death, but the power of resurrection says, I'm in death, but I'm not of death. I got death all around me, but I'm alive. I'm alive. Why? Because he's alive. Because he was the firstborn from the dead. Because he was the firstfruits and the firstborn of many brethren. And I'm going where he's going. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, I'm going to come back and take you to where I'm going. That's not a future event, church. It's a reality right now in Christ Jesus. He did that when he went into that tomb. When he went into those lower parts, I'm telling you what, he conquered death. He conquered hell. He conquered the grave. He came up and he said, now boys, we can go to glory. And Hebrews 2.10 says, he led many sons to glory. Go ahead and read it. It's in the book. When did he do that? He did that through the power of resurrection. He did it. So where are you right now? Are you in the power of his resurrection? Are you in his life? You have put your faith in Jesus Christ and you are. Looking at the death around you. Put your eyes on the author of life, Jesus Christ. We're alive in this realm. The realm of death. But yet we live in the power of resurrection. Yeah, but you know, I had, I had my brother, he died. I mean he died. He got sick and he died. Listen, I believe God's a healer. But we're all going to lose this physical life one day. The loss of physical life does not define whether I'm alive or dead. It may define whether I'm walking around on this earth or not, but my life is not defined as to whether I'm walking on this earth or not walking on this earth. My life is defined and identified by whether I am in Christ or not in Christ. At whatever point I cease to exist as a physical being on this earth, I will always continue to be an eternal being living in his presence, living in the power of his resurrection. Because death has no power over me anymore. The grave has no power over me anymore. Hell has no power over me anymore. Sin has no power over me or over you anymore if you are in Christ Jesus. The end of this process manifestation, the manifestation of the sonship, of sonship is a process bound up with the reality that we are living. Because you are living, because you are alive, there should be a manifestation of that life. And the manifestation of sonship is bound up with this reality that we are alive. And the end of the process is the full manifestation of the sons of God, according to Romans 8, 19. Romans 8, 19 says, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits. For what? For the revealing of the sons of God. Even the creation knows. How does it know? I don't know. But the scripture says it knows. Seek me. 
God's a lot greater than we give him credit for. Can I just say that? I heard a famous preacher one time teach that that scripture in Isaiah that says our thoughts, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and his ways are higher than our ways. I heard him teach that, that, that now in Christ we can have the same thoughts in the same ways, that, that we've been brought up to that level. Can I just tell you something? I think that's a bunch of baloney. Because is, is I'm in Christ. I mean, I'm brought up to his level in the sense that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But as long as I'm in this earth trying to comprehend things with this natural brain, I can't even begin to comprehend. And I'm telling you what, there is something about this created order that is so much greater, so much bigger than what we can, that, that, that the creation itself waits what that tells me that the created order around us has more knowledge than most human beings do who were created in the image of God the earth is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God and humanity just going through living life caught up in all this mess in the world and living self-centered lives and trying to figure out how the whole time what's happening the creation is waiting God when when are they going to be revealed God we're ready we're, we're tired of being subjected to this futility. God, the creation is tired of being subjected to this sin and this death. God, when will the sons of God be revealed so that we can also partake in the liberty that they have been brought into through Jesus Christ? And the creation waits and it groans, awaiting the adoption and the redemption that is destined for us. Why? What is all of that bound up in? God. Why? Because the creation was spoken into existence for who? For the sons of God. This earth and this created order is here. Why? For the sons of God. It will not be redeemed and it will not come into its liberty until what? Until the sons of God have been fully revealed. There is coming a day when the sons of God What? Don't wait for that day. Let the Son, Jesus Christ, be revealed to you. Let Him right now begin to manifest Let Him right now begin to reveal Himself through you. Begin to walk in the power that He has given you through the power of resurrection. Begin to do the greater works that He promised that you could do because His Spirit lives in you now. Stop living in fear Stop living in doubt and unbelief. Realize who dwells within you. Christ is in you and he is your hope of glory. You can't do anything and I can't do anything. And So quit worrying about how smart you are, how strong you are, how powerful you are, because it doesn't matter. Strongest, smartest, the most powerful can do nothing. The weakest, the most ignorant, the most foolish, all things. How? The power of resurrection is manifested now and in the new Apart from resurrection, there is no new birth is the manifestation of resurrection in those who believe. What do we do? We believe from death 
complete life. New birth makes us sons of God. How? By bringing us into sonship. By making us partakers of the divine nature. Where? In. Where do I become a son? In. Where do I become a partaker of his divine nature? In Christ. How did I get there? Through faith. But whose power was it that brought me there? It was was his spirit who originated it, and it's his spirit who will continue it. Hebrews 2.13, turn over to the book of Hebrews. Book of Hebrews, it's a wonderful book. It's all about Jesus. The writer of Hebrews here is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's just begin in in, uh, verse 11. It says, for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified. See that word? He who sanctifies and those who are being. That word being speaks of what? Not a completed act, but a continuous process. We are being sanctified. Why? Because we have been justified. God can now set me apart for his purpose because he has justified me by the blood of the Lamb. He's taken away my sin through Jesus Christ. And now because I am clean, because I am washed white as snow, God says now I can set you apart and I can use you. And now through the process that we're talking about, this continuing process, manifestation, this power of life, this power of resurrection that's working in me, I am being set apart. You don't know what God has in store for you tomorrow, but God knows. But I'm going to tell you what, how you allow God to set you apart today, how you allow God to sanctify you today, how you allow God to work through you today, it can have an impact on what he's able to do tomorrow. But you don't know what God has in store for you. God does. But, but we do know this, what he has in store is good. What we do know is what he has in store is consistent with Jesus Christ. What we do know is what he has in store is for you to reveal and manifest the living Christ to a lost and a dying and a dark world. And so he says here, he says, for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified all are One. In other words, Jesus is the one who sanctifies, and I'm the one being sanctified. And we are one. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. He's not ashamed of you. Yeah, but Pastor Jeff, you don't know what I did 20 years ago. Have you been born again? If you have been, then what you did 20 years ago was crucified with Christ, it was buried with Christ, and it was left in the tomb. God God doesn't deal with that person anymore. God doesn't deal with that past anymore. It's gone. You are a new creation. He deals with the living now. You're alive in Christ. And all he knows is that you look just like his son. All he knows is that you are just as righteous as his son. All he knows is that you are just as holy as his son. Why? Because they have become one. And for that reason, he's not ashamed to call you brethren. Saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. And again, I will put my trust 
in him. Look, at this is what I want you to see, the last part of verse 13. And again, here am I and the children whom God has given me. Here am I. Who is the I? It's Christ. Here am I and the children, the brethren that God has given me. You know where that quote comes from? It comes from Isaiah 8, 18. Here's what the rest of the verse says in Isaiah 8, 18. Behold, I and the children whom God has given me are for signs and for wonders. I and the children that God has given me are for signs That's not what I say. That's what the Bible says. Jesus was asked a question. He said, Jesus, won't you show us a sign? Matthew 12, 39. Evil, adulterous generation seeks signs. Oh, wait a minute, Pastor Jeff. You just said that we are for signs and wonders. Yeah, hold on. Hold on. Let's let the Bible interpret the Bible here, okay? An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of what? Three days in that well, and then one day that well vomited him out upon the shore. Went to, to Nineveh, and he did what? You know what happened to Nineveh? They repented. They were spared. Judgment that God had pronounced upon them. Jesus said, hey, you guys that want a sign, the only sign you're going to get is a sign of Here am I, what is it? I and the children whom God hath given me. Sign and God has done, is doing, and will do. Out of that, listen, when you, when you lay your hands on by the power of God. You know how that's possible? God you lay your hands on someone and you cast out a demon. How that's possible? God in that moment Speak a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom to somebody. Give them hope in the midst of their hopelessness because God has clued them in that, that he is aware of them. You know how you did that? Not by your power, not by your wisdom. You did it by the power of his resurrection. And you're able to do that because Jesus is not in the tomb anymore. And he has now poured his spirit out and his spirit lives on the inside of you. And it is his spirit that will give you that knowledge. It is his spirit in you that will give you that wisdom. It is his spirit in you that will heal the sick. Open blind eyes. Cast out demons. It's not you. It's his spirit in you. It is the power of resurrection. Every sign, every wonder, everything we do, every greater work that we do, it is rooted, it is grounded, it originates in, it is done through the power of his resurrection. It testifies 
that he is not the dead Savior, but he is the living Savior. It testifies that he's not in that tomb anymore, but he is risen. It testified that he was not just a great prophet, a great teacher, a great man of God, but he indeed was, in fact, the Son of God, demonstrated, declared with power by the resurrection. It testifies that you now are the many brethren. You are the children Isaiah prophesied of. And you are for signs and wonders. But can I tell you, don't seek the signs and don't seek the wonders. Don't become an adulterous generation. Seek after the one through who, through, who through the signs and the wonders will be done through. Seek after the one who originates the signs, who originates the wonders. Seek after the one who is the power, who is the life, who is the light. Seek after him. Let him do with you what he wills. He wills for you to raise the dead. You're submitted to him. He will raise the dead. He wills for you to heal the sick and you're submitted to him. It's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. You'll heal the sick. You won't, but Christ will through you. If you're submitted to him, he wants you to proclaim the gospel, you will proclaim the gospel. You will do as he wills. You will do do as he purposes. You are submitted to him. There is no lack of power with God. There is no lack of willingness with God. The question is, are willing and obedient? Willing to be a vessel of transformation back to him. We are the children given to us by virtue of the resurrection. We are for signs and wonders. If you know it or not, you are. You know that the powers and principalities of the heavenly realm are You don't even realize that. You're walking around here on planet earth wondering whether you're going to make it to the next day, whether you're going to be able to pay your bills or not, whether, whether, whether you're going to get the food clip or not get the food clip. And, and we're so caught up in that. And I'm telling you what, the heavenly realm looks at us and they look in awe and they see us as the signs and wonders of the resurrection. That's it. The creation that we live upon looks at us and it sees us and it knows us as the signs and the wonders that God has put in the earth. Here's what I'm saying. The Spirit of God is on you. He is awakening your spirit. He wants you to become aware of what Jesus paid a price to do for you. He wants you to catch the revelation that you are a son. God is stirring and God is awakening. He is blowing his breath of life and he is bringing us alive. Can you, can you sense it? Can you sense something is happening? Say, I can't sense it, Pastor Jeff. Well, then you better seek after it. You better seek after that revelation of Jesus Christ. I'm not talking to you about a sign and a wonder. I'm talking to you about Jesus Christ himself. And if you 
if you know Jesus, and if you're seeking the face of Jesus, you know that God is real. That what heaven sees, what the earth knows, finds its purpose in the wake of that reality and that created organism waiting let God let God have his way say that very simply Adam's nature. Say, Pastor Jeff, I want to be saved. I want to have faith in the life of Jesus. If that's you, you've never done that. 